I am your host, Carrie Scollin, giving us different perspectives on where we are and where we want to go on our journey. Thanks for being here, and I look forward to spending some time with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another session of the Founder Series. I'm your host, Carrie Scollin. I am thrilled with the um, guests that I get to introduce today. I'm thrilled with all my guests, but this one, this one has a little bit more special of a meaning for me because she is my niece and she has um, oh, just made me so proud in all of the things that she does and the way she educates herself and really um, the impact that she's making on a lot of women in the different things that she offers. So I know that um, we're going to talk to Megan about pelvic floor, but she does have some other interesting um, side gigs that she does. So I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about what she does. And uh, Megan, thank you so much for being here. Oh, you just yeah. have no idea how happy I am and Oh, happy. It makes my heart that you are on this show to help us out today. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, so I'm Megan Paquette and I have, um, lots of knowledge in public floor health and, um, recovery, I should say, maybe, um, I wouldn't say rehab, but definitely figuring out how to reconnect to your public floor floor after um, any form of dysfunction, let's call it. So um, most people have pelvic floor dysfunction, um, whether they realize it or not. Um, So pelvic floor dysfunction can look like uh, leaking. It can be prolapse. So if you have a prolapse, maybe you don't even know you have a prolapse, which I'll get into a little bit later as well. Um, Painful sex, uh, back pain, especially lower back pain, actually. And um, also fecal incontinence, which is an awkward thing to talk about, but it can happen. So um, and important, mm-hmm, very that's, important. Yeah, that's the one thing that I wanted to kind of put out there, and why I thought it was so important to have you on this show is because I personally know nothing about the pelvic floor, and uh, except for what I learned when I did the um, twenty-eight days with you. That was my first kind of exposure to this is a part of my body that I should actually pay a lot more attention to. So not only in regards to childbirth, but in general, it's an area that um, I I just never heard about and I never focused on and nobody has ever that I know of talked about it. No, it's, so it's, a, it's an awkward conversation <laughs> yeah. the, where it is located in our body. Yep. But, um, yeah. So I, I just appreciate you. I didn't realize that the back pain and like what you just said, I didn't know that was all part of the pelvic floor dysfunction. Yeah. So I have three daughters, as you know, um, and after my first daughter, my first delivery, um, I had a pretty traumatic experience, uh, in the delivery room. So, um, I needed to have forcep delivery. So they had two forceps on me. And, um, with that, they tore my rectum. So, I mean, there's already tearing in the perineum uh, or episiotomies that happen. We need stitches. Some of us, we have tearing sometimes I'm going to 
bring in my pelvis here. So <laughs> this is my pelvis and I will, um, just so you guys have kind of more of an idea of what I'm talking about. So here is the vagina. Here's the anus. This here is the perineum. So sometimes what happens is they'll cut this right yeah. to make space for the baby to come out Right. and they have to stitch it back up, which causes scar tissue and things like that. Right. And you can see that they're quite close together and everything inside, this would be your bladder. This is your oh. uterus and this is your rectum. Yeah. They kind of sit in this bowl here. So they're all really tightly um, connected, connected. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it was day two. I was in the hospital the next day and I could not control my poop. I yeah. would be nursing the baby you know, your uterus contracts and things happen, but I would also. Yeah. Yeah. And the nurses and doctors, nobody said anything to me. They just kind of did their thing. And I told them and that was it. Um, so I think lots of women after they have a baby, they have no idea what has happened to their body. Right. (laughs) I, nobody told me why was I, why was I pooping and I had no control over my poop. I had, I had no idea. Um, so I finally went to my doctor for my six week checkup, my general practitioner and I love him so much. He's now retired, but, um, he told me that I likely had tearing in my rectum from the forceps and that's why I couldn't control it. So, um, it lasted for about six weeks. He told me that it could have lasted a lifetime. Oh my God. I was pretty lucky there. There may be women here that are listening or that, um, you know, it's not something people want to talk about. Uh, but that is why I started learning about pelvic floor health and, um, rehab. So, uh, once it affects your life like that, you really start to pay attention. Um, but like you said, there are so many different pains and different symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction that we just go along with. They're, yeah. they're common things, you know, but they don't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be that way. There are ways to fix it. There are ways, exercises to do to re-strengthen. Uh, yeah. So that's what I'm going to also go through a little bit today. I, I love that. And you had said um, before we came on that um, men obviously have pelvic floors as well. So this isn't just a female. Uh, our bodies go through a lot more with childbirth um, than obviously than men. Mm-hmm. but. Um, and this, this can also affect women that, that haven't gone through childbirth. Yeah. And can you tell me, um, is there something that we can, like you talked about prolapse, which I, I don't really even know what that is. I didn't, like I said, I didn't know what <laughs> was. I also use the terms uh, front bum. So yeah. all of your <laughs> proper terminology is, is also something that I need to wrap my head around, but that's, that's a different story. Um, but can you, can this be like a preventative thing for, for aging mm-hmm. to start doing these types of exercise? Like, are we, are we building muscle to strengthen? Like, like, I'm not like, I don't yeah. really know what, what we're doing. hundred percent. Okay. So there are two kind of main things that can happen with the pelvic floor. So first I'm going to show you what the pelvic floor is. So all of this red stuff, yeah. that's muscle. That's your pelvic floor. Okay. So if you know, you can find these bony parts in your bum, the sits bones, that, yep. you know, yep. if someone says you have a bony bum, it's that this yep. little protrusion here. Okay. So if you find your um, sits bone 
when you walk your fingers in just towards your perineum or your anus, that's yeah. your pelvic floor oh, right okay. there. So okay. just to get that kind of connection. Now I got it. Yeah. Now you got it. <laughs> so, okay. um, everybody has it. It's not a muscle that we think about, but just like your bicep, you have to strengthen your biceps. You have to strengthen your quads, these things, the muscle needs to be worked. And, mm-hmm. um, so some, most people have, um, after they have a baby, they have a weakened pelvic floor. So just the pressure of the baby in the belly, um, your hormones, things like that, the pelvic floor gets weakened. Some people have, if they have never been pregnant, men can have this as well as women, they have a tight pelvic floor. So a tight pelvic floor can be just as bad as a weak pelvic floor, if not worse. So if you are constantly holding, yeah, exactly. So if you clench your jaw, if you clench your butt, you're likely clenching your pelvic floor. Oh my gosh. Mm Mm-hmm. My girls bug me about that all the time. They're like, mom, why are you clenching? I'm like, I'm not clenching. They're like, yeah, you are. Yeah. So lots of us will do it unconsciously because we're worried that because we don't feel stable in our pelvic floor, we're worried it might feel like something's going to fall out or um, some people have that feeling like something's going to fall out. So during childbirth, um, the vaginal wall will obviously stretch there can become um, weakened parts in the pelvic floor. So especially if you have uh, like I had where forceps kind of would have damaged the inside of my vaginal wall. And it was, mine was at the back of my vagina closer to my rectum. So then I would, I had actually a little um, rectal prolapse. So that means there's a weakened portion of my vaginal wall. And then the organ behind, or, you know, the rectum would kind of pop. It doesn't go through, but it's just pushing. Okay. into the vagina. So any, so you can have a uterine prolapse, you can have a rectal prolapse there. Your bladder could be prolapsing. Um, lots of things can prolapse because of damage. And that's, and that's because it's also closely connected. Yes. So you don't know where, where the damage or something's going to be done. Unless exactly, unless somebody, a professional tells right. you. Right. So if you go to a gynecologist, they'll be able to tell you, but likely you're, you're going to have to ask. So I'm a huge advocate for asking questions to your doctor, asking after you have delivered what kind of damage there was, what kind of tools they had to use. Did you have any stitches? Where were they? So ask the questions. And another thing that is really important is seeing a a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Mm -hmm. People don't even know that they exist, but they exist and they are a huge part or can play a huge part in your recovery. Or even if you have a tight pelvic floor, you've never been pregnant. You can, they can also be helpful for that. So they'll actually get feedback. So they may insert their fingers and ask you to Kegel, or I I actually went to see one and they use um, an ultrasound to, to watch my muscles, to see if I was contracting the right muscles when I was doing a Kegel, cause I couldn't feel, I had no, no connection to my pelvic floor. Wow. Mm-hmm. And lots of people don't, they, if you have a really weak pelvic floor and you can't find that connection, um, it's a lot of mental work to, mm-hmm. to, to gain that connection to the muscle again. Right. So like I said, tight pelvic floor, weak pelvic floor, are the main two that we see. Okay. Um, something, and you can feel, like I said, you can feel if it's firm, it's likely tight or you're clenching it. 
if it's um, kind of soft and squishy, then it's you're either relaxed or it's weak. Okay. So this okay. dollar store ball, which I have <laughs> other balls, but for ease of finding the right ball, I literally just go to the dollar store and you can find these little balls. Yeah. And what you can do to um, just find your pelvic floor even, or see um, how it feels. If it's, you know, when your muscles are tight or yeah. sore, um, it has that, that feeling of soreness. So what you would do is you would find your sits bone again, put this ball right in between your sits bone and your anus right there. And then as you're sitting, you just kind of rock forward and back just slightly. And that's going to give you some feedback. And if it's sore, if mm -hmm. you're like, ow, that my muscles really sore there, maybe you need to do more releasing just like you would any other muscle. So you need right. to release your pelvic floor, which you can do with a nice soft ball at first. Yeah. Um, we don't want to start with a tennis ball because that doesn't feel good. Right. So nice and gently, we want to just start to release the pelvic floor and notice if it's tight. Yep. Um, and another big thing that I talk about usually is like, I've already mentioned it a few times, the connection to the pelvic floor. Right. So when we, um, are about when we're born, we breathe this 360 breath. So if you ever watch a baby breathe, their ribs expand, their belly expands, their yes. back expands. <clears throat> It's the core breath. It's how our bodies are made to function. And at about three years old, we start to sadly um, feel stress. And if anybody knows about stress, yes. we start to breathe into our chest. It's like right. this shallow breath that yes. turns off our diaphragm, that turns, which in turn turns off our pelvic floor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all super connected. We start to lose that connection very early on then. We do because of our breathing uh -huh. or it starts with our breathing with our starts with your breathing. Yep. Yep. Wow. So one thing that I really want to uh, talk to everybody about today is how to reconnect to the pelvic floor. Excellent. So, yeah. So I want you to think about, and you can practice this after I just kind of talk about it a little bit, but imagine your torso as a canister, like a can of soup even. So yeah. if we add air to that, it's going to expand out and it's going to expand up, right? The can of soup, everything expands. That's what we want to happen in our torso. So as we inhale, I like to, I'm sitting kind of awkwardly because I just switched spots, but um, I'm going to move my camera down a little bit so you guys can see. So you want to put your hands on your rib cage, but you have your uh, middle finger right under at the bottom of the rib cage and the other fingers are just kind of wrapping around. Okay. So our rib cage should expand in all directions. You should feel it on your thumbs at your back. You should feel them expand backwards. Rib cage expands out. And as that happens, our diaphragm, which is right underneath your rib cage here. Right. So to make space for the lungs, the diaphragm moves down. As the diaphragm moves down, your pelvic floor should also be relaxing down. And then as you exhale, your pelvic floor and diaphragm move together, lifting up as the air comes out of your body. So most wow. people, mm -hmm, most people, when we breathe in, we hold our pelvic floor tight for whatever reason. And if we hold our pelvic floor tight and our diaphragm is trying to come down, 
we're actually squishing air in, our, in the middle of our belly. And that causes pressure that can cause prolapse that can even cause hernia. If you have, um, weakened, uh, ab, like abdominal muscles. So it's called, yeah. called diastasis recti. When you have that line down the center of your, your belly yeah. and the abs haven't come back together after you've been pregnant. So you can get a hernia there. You can have an umbilical hernia out of your belly button. So we want to keep the pressure in our canister at the same pressure and moving at the same pace or same way. So I feel like I suck everything in when I do that. Yes. Just wrong. Just not that's so that's another thing that we do is we we hold our abs tight or our belly, especially women are not um okay with letting their belly go. We are always holding our belly in because we have this little pooch at the bottom is what I like to call it, our lower belly pooch, right? Especially after you've had a baby, that's the hardest thing to get rid of. But do you know why it's the hardest thing to get rid of? Why? (laughs) You're like, no, please tell me. (laughs) Please tell me. (laughs) So um, the lower, the internal or the inner abdominal muscles, the deep inner core muscles are completely shut off. And if we want to get our six packs back or just get a six pack, I was going to say, I don't know if I'm getting one back, yeah. but I appreciate yeah. your optimism. <laughs> yeah. So if we want that lower belly pooch to go away, we have to strengthen our deep inner core muscles, which consists of our pelvic floor, our transverse abdominals, all of these little muscle groups that we don't think about because we don't know them. Well, and because we have lots of other things to think about. Right. Like taking care of children or working or making yeah. dinner, you know, all those things that we do. Yeah. But um, now you've made us aware of it though. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's the first step, right? Is awareness. Yes. It, that they're yeah. actually here. Exactly. And practicing this mental connection. So as you inhale, feeling your, and I find this really a lot easier to do if you're sitting on an exercise ball Okay. and you move your fleshy parts of your bum out of the way so that you can really get your pelvic floor to sit on that ball and feel okay. the, um, kind of the feedback from the ball and inhale your pelvic floor should relax down and by relax. I mean, really relax. We, we just want to hold it tight all the time for some reason, because we're scared of what's going to happen if we don't. And, um, so So that's reprogramming the hundred percent. Yeah. My body connection thing, right? Exactly. Yes. So we have to really trust our body Mm-hmm. Um, but practicing this over and over and until you get it, cause it can be a really frustrating thing to start doing, especially mm-hmm. if you don't have that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing that you can do, another kind of awkward topic is, um, just to get that feedback, either you insert your fingers and do Kegels okay. or you ask your partner to help you, um, or you go to a uh, pelvic floor physiotherapist, someone to help you get that feedback so that you can, like, I, I remember going to my pelvic floor physiotherapist, not being able to feel anything, but when I could see it on the ultrasound screen and then I could feel it when she was doing her thing and I was doing my thing that helped me get the connection. Like, okay, that's what it's supposed to feel like. So, well, and that, and that's like when you did the yoga with the engaging your core. So it's kind mm-hmm. of the same until you get, until you know what it's supposed to feel like, mm-hmm. you don't know if you're connecting at all. Exactly. Right. 
Yeah. So the Kegel then, is that the only way of knowing if you're doing it right is by the inserting or? Nope. So another way, as I mentioned, you can sit on an exercise ball, but um, another way is you can lay on your side and then uh, again, find your sits bone, walk your hand in and then, but doing the Kegel, you have to, so having your hand there just on your pelvic floor or the ball there and doing a Kegel. So I'm going to explain the Kegel as well a little bit more because I know that I could not get that thing down. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I don't think I, I don't think I have either. It's a hard exercise to do, but having these little um, tips, like the feedback, having your hand there, um, things like that can help get that connection. Awesome. Okay. So a couple ways to do a Kegel, Kegel. Um, (laughs) I know. And I used to hear the word Kegel and, you know, as we mentioned earlier too, uh, before we started recording, everyone told you, Oh, just do your Kegels while you're sitting at your desk, do your Kegels at a stoplight, do your Kegels while you're making dinner, whatever it is. That's not ideal. A Kegel is an exercise. You shouldn't just be doing it all the time. Right. Okay. Right. Like it's not something that you need to do 20 times a day. Right. Oh, this is good. This is good, Meg. This is good information here because it's just a common myth that we've probably all heard and been told Mm -hmm. is exactly what you just said. So yeah. So use your Kegels as your as if you're exercising. You want to exercise your pelvic floor just as you exercise the rest of your body. So there are a few cues that you can probably have heard um, to do a Kegel, but the main thing that I want to get across is it's not just a squeeze. It's a squeeze and a lift. The lift oh. is just as important as the squeeze. Wow. So one cue that I find maybe the best for myself, but everyone has their own yeah. is, and you don't just want to focus on the vagina. So you want to focus on the anus as well. Okay. So two blueberries, we're going to imagine two blueberries. Okay. okay? We are going to relax as we inhale. We're going to pick up the blueberries as we start to exhale and then fully exhaling, we're lifting the blueberries up. So it's a full motion with your breath. So you're going to use that core breath that I told you, inhale, everything relaxes, pelvic floor, vagina, anus kind of relaxed and open. And then as we start to exhale, we're going to squeeze and lift. So we want to make sure that we get all that air out as we exhale and lift. And you're going to start to feel your abs getting sore and being worked out. Then you'll know that you're lifting properly. You're just doing from your breath. Yeah. And okay. if you just do this breath and the Kegels 10, maybe 10 of them a day, yeah. you're going to, your abs are going to be sore. You're going to notice a difference wow. and the it's consistency. You really have to be consistent, just like working out. Right. I keep saying that, but if you want to hey. build a muscle, you got to do yeah. it. Consistency. Okay. Can I ask you a quick question about that mm-hmm. then? Because yeah. the other thing that I was, um, that I remember being told was you can practice that while you're peeing. Is that right? Stopping and starting that. Okay. Is that, is that a myth? Is that, I don't recommend doing it that way. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, just for other reasons, you know, like, I, I don't think it's actually really good for your, um, to stop the flow, to stop the flow of your pee. Yeah. Um, but some people 
when they're when they're trying to find their pelvic floor the thought of like holding in a fart or or holding in your pee like that yeah. that like contraction that happens when you're like yeah. oh and it's not just your butt cheeks right, <laughs> right? not just clenching <laughs> the butt cheeks yeah but that contraction is is similar a similar yeah. feeling to what you want to feel when you're doing a kegel so so not a bad thing if you just want to just a really quick and then you know how it feels mm-hmm. but not yeah. to do that regular. So that, that I thought that was part of my exercise routine. <laughs> well, I was, you know, how many times do we go to the bathroom a day? It's yeah, like, Oh, totally. okay. Well I did 10 Kegels, yep. but yeah, it took a lot longer and it probably was not doing my body. any good. Right. So okay. when we're peeing, like I actually wanted to talk about this too, a little bit before we run out of time. But um, if you see this little red organ here, that's your bladder. Okay. And our posture is really so important in our pelvic floor function as well. So if what, what happens when we're pregnant usually is we tuck our bum under because our back body gets really tight trying because our abs are getting um, weak, right? Our abs are weakened. They can't do their job. They can't help us to stay upright. So our back body has to work harder the muscles get tighter and then they start to shorten, which is why we end up with mum bum is what I like to call it, where our bum goes flat. We used to have like a nice voluptuous bum. That's what it was. <laughs> okay. Yes. I know you'd like that one. Oh uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're making me feel so much better. Yeah. So it's normal. It's normal. Everyone gets yeah. it, but our glutes weaken, which is why we get mum bum. Right. And then also this top of this is like a bowl. So if we um, are constantly tucked under. And so never mind everything that's happening on the back body. But if we say we sneeze and we pee, we, some of us will leak when we sneeze or we have to yeah. cross our legs so that we don't. Yes. Um, there's all this pressure in our abdomen, especially if we like, we hold our breath and then we sneeze, there's pressure that pushes down on our bladder. Yeah. And that's why we pee. So yeah. optimal alignment is also key because now do you see that our bladder is being held up by this pubic bone here? Yeah. Yeah. Our bodies are like way smarter than oh they were than anyone. So true. Hey, we so were made true. this way for a reason. So yes. optimal alignment is ideal for your pelvic floor function, for holding up your organs, yeah. um, for so for so many things. So posture is huge so you're um, talking posture like in your shoulders thing. all the way down it's, head should so be it's stacked just, on your shoulders yes. shoulders should be stacked on your hips hips should be stacked over your knees knees over your ankles right wow so amazing yeah yeah so we are already at the we have four minutes left i know it by <laughs> way too fast so the breathing so I've, i'm just going to kind of wrap it up so breathing super important yes super important number one number one posture Number two. Important as well. <laughs> and and exercising that. So making that connection between. So you know, and you said the sits bone. Um, put your, your hand in there just to kind of get a, an idea yeah. of what so you know like. where it is. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? And then the exercise ball, the small one. Yep. That when you said you're putting that under there just to get just to make that connection and also to get a feel of if it hurts or so you'll know kind of where you're at. But we yes. probably do have a bit of an idea without even realizing it. 
if like you said, if um, you're leaking a bit, knowing that that could be part of people's back pain is mm-hmm. huge. Yes. Like I'm no way I would have connected that with that. Um, and you said the back pain, um, uh, pain during sex. It's a big okay. one too. Lots of people have painful sex. That can yep. be a pelvic floor issue. That can be a pelvic floor issue. Yeah. Leaking prolapse, um, incontinence of any kind. Okay. Prolapse mm-hmm. really quickly. Is that, um, saggy? Basically. Yeah. So okay. there is some weakened portion of the vagina and one of the organs in whichever area your vagina has weakened, the organ is kind of bulging down into the vaginal canal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So before we go, I want to make sure that you've got a Facebook group called uh, Connect Connect and Strengthen, and it's all the pelvic floor plan. I know that I did that class with you. It's 28 days worth of exercise. It is, um, you do pay to go into that group but you're offering whoever's watching or on the replay, um, maybe 30 days access to that group yes. and they can, which is fantastic. Like, thank you for oh, you're welcome. Um, and so they can connect with you through, um, your beautiful jewelry company that you have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I gave everybody a necklace, um, on the retreat this weekend yeah. um, and they, I, they loved them. It was beautiful. I love all the thought and the design that you put in to that. Um, so soulknots.com, S-O-U-L-K-N-O-T-S.com. I'm sure that there's a email and a contact you through that. So you can take a look at, um, all that Megan offers. She's also a yoga instructor. She is, uh, an expert in the crystals and everything that she uses for her jewelry. So there's so much intention behind everything that Megan does. So I would love for you to check that out, connect with Megan um, through that site. And then if you want to get access to that group and, and, oh my goodness, walk through some of those exercises, 28 days worth, Mm -hmm. um, it, you, it will benefit you. And so Megan, I just want to thank you so much for what you're doing, what you're putting out there. You know that I love your energy and your light. Mm -hmm. And I just think you are a gift to all of us. So thank you. you. You're going to make me cry. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) And for all of you, thank you so much for joining live or watching the replay. And you know that no matter where you are, what you're doing, you are more than enough as is. And I hope to see you next week. So thanks for being here. Thanks, Meg. Thank you.